And we are live. Welcome back to On The King's Dime, take number two on the awards night show. Sorry about it. Had a, had a couple of sound issues there to start off, fix them up. Uh, but we are back and we are here to talk the season in review. Uh, it was, yeah, it's definitely coming through. I could turn that off. Uh, yeah, it's, we're going to be talking all about the King season, a bit of a disappointing season. Um, there's, there is definitely a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about the outgoing coach as well. Uh, a little bit about he, how he's done. Uh, I'm repping the uh, repping the outfit, trying to go as, as 40 as I could uh, for the awards night. But yeah, um, we're going to be doing our three to one MVP as well as the uh, tipping comp winner. And we're going to be announcing that as well. It's going to be an action packed show, an action packed night. Uh, so definitely stick around and let us know your comments below too. Like definitely get in and comment and let us know how you thought the Kings went this season. Uh, ultimately, a bit of a disappointing season. Uh, I think there was um, some ups and downs and definitely something to, as a Kings fan, cheer for and be happy about. But at the same time, you know, pretty disappointing in the way it finished and ultimately kind of what happened not making the finals, uh, the playoffs rather. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely going to talk all about the season. As always, we're live right now on Facebook with sound, definitely. Um, and you can also listen to our podcasts on audio in audio form on the Apple podcast platform, the uh, Google podcast platform, as well as Spotify. They go out to Spotify as well. We're on the Anchor platform. So get in if you want to listen to our audio forms. We're definitely going to be back next season. We're going to be doing content over the off-season as well because it's going to be a very, very jam-packed off-season. There's going to be a lot going on. Uh, Andy's been patiently sitting there waiting for his chance to talk. Uh, so what are, what are your thoughts going back to the start of the season? Just just a little overview of how you felt this season. We thought this season could have been bad. Um, we, we kind of spoke about this could be bad, but, you know, it was a surprising season in many ways for the amount of injuries we had, um, especially early on in the year, losing Xavier Cooks even before the season began. It was a massive blow. Um, and so expectations weren't really high. We didn't really know a lot of DJ. Obviously, we knew him as a bit of a sharpshooter, so we didn't really know what was happening there. We didn't have Jarrell. That's the other mm. thing as well. We didn't have Jarrell. So it was a, it was a, an interesting kind of vision of what the season could, be, could become. We didn't really know 40. Um, and early on, it was, you know, we were kind of thinking, mm, this, could be, this could be bad. But it turned out it actually wasn't that bad. Um, it was a pretty good season for everything that we kind of went through with all the COVID, you know, breaks, playing this playing tournament down in Melbourne for, you know, mm. absolutely no reason. Um, when there was absolutely, you know, no COVID in Sydney where we could have gone to the stadiums and watched the the, the basketball. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a bit strange, but um, it, look, not a bad season. When you, when you, when you look back at the beginning of the season and thought what was going to happen, you know, I, you know, I, Fifth is a, is a good finishing, I think. Yeah. Disappointing, but good. It's It's been a super tough ride, right? Like all, all season, how many times have you just wanted to go, well, this, TC, this team's not very good. Like, you know, don't get too upset with losing games because this team, you know, is not great. We've got injuries, we're struggling. But the emotion that this team played with and, you know, the mentality they played with, how much heart, you know, facing adversity and – conquering it in some cases 
every time they did that, they just make you want to get on their backs and just be like, come on, like, you know, come on, pull this out of the fire. Like if we make the finals, this would be great. Um, so that, that's been an, an interesting way to watch this team this season. Last couple of years, there's definitely been like some really good bits where if you go back to last season, how good it was, you know, some of the stats, some of the, the teams play, the way the team was constructed and grew throughout the season, it was all sort of based in skill and not necessarily this season's kind of like emotional heart and playing tough and going on the road for so many games and playing through all this adversity. So it's definitely a different way to watch this team. I think, I feel like this season is kind of more disappointing and more like annoying, I'd say is kind of the word that we didn't make the finals. But I think knowing that, you know, I, I didn't get as upset as, you know, the gazy season where we kind of just got bundled out you know, that was pretty annoying. Last year, you know, the whole sort of fiasco of how that finished is a bit disappointing and annoying. But this year, it's kind of like it took me about three seconds and I was like, yeah, well, you know, what can you really do? The amount of injuries, the adversity. Um, I'll, I'll eventually bring up some of the stats and stuff like that. But if you kind of look at our game sheet, just how many injuries we had, it was kind of ridiculous. Glover, you kind of forget we had him at the start of the season. He was just missing the entire season. The amount of games that Cooks missed, the amount of like – ropey ropey guys we had to bring in and just be like well you're gonna have to play sorry mate and like i think we used all three of our dps at one point um in in which you know probably scattered across the league you wouldn't see your alliance on the dps that much um from these other teams i mean you look at luke travis now he was last year as a development player for i think he might as well be it might again be this year for perth he's he's doing real well but it's, it's that type of player that you see a development player come out through the ranks and it's like, whoa, like this guy's good. Like, and he's making, not like, well, so, sorry, Woodhill, you're going to have to play 12 minutes against Adelaide four games into the season, like have fun. You know, Galloway, in you go, mate. Like, you know, we, we kind of rarely have seen that over the last few years. But again, going back to the emotional state that this team played with, and uh, I'm, I'm choking on my own chords here, the emotional sort of, frenzy that this team played with i thought was super commendable and then coming up against this brick wall now like we're going to lose the coach a lot of guys are coming off contract there's going to be huge upheaval in the off season i i feel like we're possibly looking at another just like don't get too like don't get too obsessed about this team making finals for the next couple of years i think there might be some more rebuilding stuff coming um but we're going to do some content about that we're going to talk about that over the next you know few weeks and possibly what, what are we looking at later in the year this season starts up again so there'll be plenty of off-season stuff a lot of stuff to go through um what about anything else you wanted to sort of talk about mainly about the season not really it's um good that it's kind of we've been put out of our misery in many ways <laughs> it's good that we've uh, it's it's come to an end yep and you know it is what it was. I think that, you know, if we had made the finals, I think hopes would have been, you know, it just would have been another week. You know, I don't think that we were really going into the season expecting um, championship. Last year we were expecting championship, you know, Jay Sean Tate, where we were, you know, eight rounds in, we were like, this team needs to win this this year. Um, but uh, the, the refs have other ideas. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it necessary? Hey, the refs as in last year or the refs this year? I think every year. Yeah, um, yeah, true, true. There are, there are, there, there was a lot of instances. It seemed to be that it, the, the season opened up to a better standard of refing in the last seven or eight rounds. It was really that mm. kind of mid-round. And we were just like, what is this guy? Mm. Like these 
calls were terrible. And then the last eight rounds, it's like, oh, the refs are fine. Like the game played, you know, sometimes it didn't go your way, but it was all kind of, it was 50-50 most of the time. But the first 10 rounds was just, you could quite clearly see the refs had the agenda. And I think the the 40 speech, I think was actually the turning point for, for, for the season, for a lot of games that I watched, not mm. just Sydney, but a lot of games where it's just like, well, yeah, this is, this is how certain teams are refed. And, and these are how certain players are reft, and we didn't see more of that. We saw a lot of leveling out um, throughout the remainder of the season. So maybe if you you could have one summary of this year, it was Adam Ford maybe put the refs in their place for the mm. last twelve rounds. I, I definitely felt like it was better though this season. Like thinking back on it, maybe like you know I'm getting older, my memory's a bit shorter, but I felt like you're right. Like halfway through the season, there was you know it was just like oh this is bad, and then sort of through the middle of the season, you kind of went ah oh, they're actually not too bad, and they're they're getting a lot better. And then down the stretch of the season, it kind of got a little bit ropey again. But it it's I think it's getting better. They're using that technology better. I, I would like to see them bring the bring in the um that review system because they had it in the bubble and that was that was great like how how many times this season have you sat there and just been like oh man if we had a review right now like that was a terrible call like you know it reviewed it and could have brought that into play I, th- I thought they definitely could have kind of ninjured that in on the fly and just like you know what every every game's gonna have this now like we're bringing it in um but i, I definitely would like to see that come in next season um a little bit too much of these ones like can we review that can we review that like um, I guess that comes with now there being reviews, the review system, and it's kind of being done in the background. There's no going to the monitor. That That's refreshing. I'm like, yeah. good. Like, I was sick of just seeing, oh, boys, let's have a talk about it. Um, go to the monitor. They go to the monitor, they look at it, and they still make the wrong call, and you're just like, what was the point of that? Like, what the hell? Um, taking them less uh, – sorry, taking them out of the spotlight a little bit more I think has helped this season and i uh, look uh, you know uh, i'm a little bit less upset about the refereeing than i was last season because definitely last season I was like whoa this is like out of control so hopefully get a little bit more of an uptick going into next season um sh- anything else really just wider on the season should we go to some of the stats yeah let's let's go some stats they're gonna blow our minds see some stats all right i'm just gonna change that that's my Big thing. Oh, sorry. I, I had to restart my machine. Sorry about that. I'll just get you back in on the screen sheet. You probably won't be able to see it, but it, you know, hey, let's let's see it. Um, first thing I got up here, plus minus. Yikes! Like if if you think about the pl- if you if you see the plus minus from last season, I'll, I'll see if I can bring it up. Um, so many dudes were you know 100 plus, 150 plus. Like we were playing at a at a level. I think you know this team's kind of smarter and cohesive last season uh and it showed kind of in the numbers but this season there was some like some really ropey stuff in this plus minus sorry i'm just trying to get this up where are you come come up no you're not gonna not gonna do it yeah there we go um i've even got i'll just bring it over here i've even got kind of the the season before so if you look at david Ware, what was david Ware's? Uh, plus 27 on the season. That's, that's pretty solid. Um, if we go all the way back, like, you know, Kevin Lish was plus 123, even Brad Newley plus 110. Um, those kind of numbers are, are hard to sort of um, replicate. And if we look at last season, like the numbers were just great, astronomical. Um, Shawnee Bruce plus 159 on the season. Didi was plus 117. JT, Kickett was a plus 102. He was, he was fantastic last season. Um, and then you got Cooks, 
uh, who else? Where they're all they're all quite high up there. Brad Newley had tapered off a little bit, um, but then if you come to sort of last season, uh, this season rather, some of these guys like Casper Ware pushed it up to plus ninety three on the season. But you know, if you look at Moller, um, ends up being a minus twenty one on the season. DK a minus sixty eight. He was minus seventy three in the second half of the season, and that's just that's rough, man. That's rough, rough. About Jared Weeks. Weeksy, Weeksy, a minus forty six, coming in and giving us, you know, some great minutes off the bench, minus forty six. Struggler for him, but I think the numbers kind of bear out. Like if you if you look at these injuries, like you know, you don't see um, Angus Glover for the rest of the season. You know, DK is injured in here. Didi's off with some injuries as well. Jarrell goes down. Xavier Cooks kind of plays out, and then you don't get any kind of any buy in from your development guys at all, really. Like none of your kind of extra signings come in and make an impact. Tommy V went through a huge patch of just getting drilled as well um, in some games where we got drilled in general. But um, I think that, that was very interesting to see that those numbers played out in that way, in that, you know, some of these guys that were, you know, plus 100 last year, a plus 46 this year and a uh, minus 46 this year rather, like in, in especially in Brad Newley's case, and losing that ability to knit the team together. Like, oh, like, you know, your your role is to come off the bench and knit this team together. And then, you know, like in Moller's case, we've said it a lot this season, like there's nothing knitted together. Like, what am, you know, what am I doing? Like, I'm stitches. Where's the material to knit together? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it said a lot too, obviously, with uh, DJ going down and Didi leaving that those two are basically very high up on our plus minus as well, plus 74 for well, DJ. At the end of the season, like I've been laughing about for the last three weeks, it was just a cacophony of power forwards. <laughs> and, you know, that's – we lost all our guards and we replaced them with, you know, guards that got released by, you know, bottom tier teams. And mm. and, and that's just the nature of, of the beast, unfortunately, with COVID mm. and the lack of import spots. But we really um, – yeah, we, we, we lost – two, you know, quality guards, one obviously to the NBA and one to injury. And um, that's, um, I think that was the difference towards the end of the season is that in certain stretches, through no fault of Adam Ford's, you know, there was just lack of scoring because we didn't have the facilitation. We didn't have the shooting. Mm. Um, you know, Casper was was rough for a lot of the season and in games he, would, he was very streaky. And Shawnee B didn't have the, you know, the best season in, in that respect. And outside of that, we just didn't have shooters. And mm. if you don't have shooters, you're not going to score. And um, I've got Paul Foxes here sort of saying the Kings head coach was only confirmed a few weeks before the season began. And we, we, we didn't touch on that at the start where there was a fair bit of kind of upheaval before the season started. Like, you know, the coach comes in, he's an amateur coach. Um, it's his first season. You kind of got to change your expectations to being, oh, like, I hope he does well. Like, I hope this guy does well and, you know, puts together a good season that we can kind of build on. And the roster yeah. didn't fit that. The roster did not fit that at all, really. The roster didn't fit that. I think the, you know, we really didn't get, uh, you know, uh, our, our best scorer for halfway through the season. Um, obviously, it was an injury replacement. Um, and you, you can only do so much with the roster that, that's put in front of you. And I don't think Adam Ford had a lot to do with developing this roster. Um you know, some of it was legacy, obviously, next stars. Uh, mm. Will Weaver, you know, probably putting DJ's, you know, pen to paper and a few other bits and pieces. And, and you kind of, you know, you get lumped in with whatever. Um, and I think, you know, as a you know, bit of salt before, but the refing in the first half of the season was very much geared towards Adam Ford as a rookie coach. And it was, you know, you know, 
these guys getting rookie calls, and, mm. which I think is just absurd. It's a game. You play it as equal as anyone else. Um, so, I mean, you can look at that. I mean, Mike Kelly won coach of the year last year, and look what he did with Kansas this year. I think yeah. it's just roster and injuries. I don't think it's – I think the coach has a lot to do with developing talent. But in a 36-game season where you're kind of – you're hampered by certain import spots. I don't think the coach has the same level of impact as the NBA. So mm. that, that's my feel. I think, you know, you've got whole guys to get together. It's about team culture and guys wanting to play for each other. Um, and I think Adam Ford did a fantastic job in that respect. He did, did that group. And like I said, they had heart all year. Um, and that was an important part of this team because there was a lot of adversity due to injury and, um, you know, probably lack of depth at certain positions that the injuries we went down with. And then hilariously playing with seven power forwards for, for you know, eight game stretches <laughs> and still pulling out a couple of wins here and there. So yeah, kind of can't really judge Adam Ford by this year. I think he's done a pretty good job first year coach mm. with a team that's really not been great and not great on paper, but just through no fault of their own injury profiles, um, signings at different times of the year. Um, lack of import spots for a team that's traditionally had more imports um, and an extra going to over to play in the NBA, which is a, you know, a problem at any time with these guys that are, that are drafted stashed, you know, there's NBA call-ups anytime. So mm. you kind of got to play the odds and, and Perth of Perth and, and, and Melbourne have played the odds perfectly because they don't have any of those issues. They've had injury issues, but they've still been able to get there through certain means by having different guard depths, um, different depths at certain positions where we've had probably depths at the wrong positions, um, just purely based on you know roster makeup and, and what was available. Mm. No, I think that's it's really important to sort of think that you know we, we we're going to get to Diddy and we're going to get to forty after this when we do the gradings and stuff like that. But in especially in Diddy's case, a second year right always makes it a little bit more volatile. Like a first year guy, you would sort of think. That's definitely not. They're definitely not going to get picked up and brought into the NBA straight away. But a second-year guy, you're always like, "Ooh, it's a little bit of an extended gamble to think," you know. And I think his extraneous circumstances also didn't really fit the basketballing mold as well. Like it was kind of like they had to bring him in in a business sort of sense, or could get him in, fill the roster spot, like tie him down. Like it was is less about like, "Wow, this guy's been like phenomenal." Let's um, you know, let's get him over. Like, cause there's been some chat about just Indian Jessup for the Hawks, you know, Bob Myers possibly to bringing him over straight away. And then again, like if you're the Hawks, you're running at a risk in the second season. Like, oh, do you know, do we bring him back or like keep him on the roster because there is a possibility it might just be snatched up and you know brought back to the Warriors for any kind of reason like that. And this similar sort of thing happened with Diddy. And I think you're always open to that volatile spot. But I think. Our, a roster in general is galvanized um, enough to live with that. It was the injuries compounding that, obviously, that really, really hurt us. And that's, you know, something that's kind of out of our control. But just looking at the deals here, I got them up here. Casper's deal comes off this season. So does Shawnee Bruce. Hunter's got one more year. Jarrell, was he two year? I tried to look that up and couldn't find anywhere where it said his contract, like what Don't it was. So. Was it a single year? Yeah, a single year. Oh, so he'll be off. So, you know, do you, you know, we'll talk about him, but do you bring him back again? 
Um, Craig Moller is coming off. Brad Newell is coming off. DJ's locked down for three years. Tommy V is coming off. Didi's obviously gone. Kikit's retired. Um, Xavier Cooks is coming off. Jared Weeks, you know, maybe you probably don't pick him up again. I, I, don't, I like his, I like the cut of his game, but I don't think he came into a great situation. Then you're just kind of looking at the also rounds. Um, so there's, there's going to be some huge, huge uh, issues with this roster that the, the front office are going to sort out. And with a new coach, that's going to make it incredibly difficult to to kind of, you know, get in and hit the ground running again. Like, you know, yeah. where we were with Will Weaver, I don't think we're going to see that kind of cohesiveness over the next couple of seasons. Like, it's going to be a real, like a really good coach hire, really good roster reconstruction to just hit the ground running and do that. That's uh, it. And I think the other, the other important thing is good franchises have a core of players that are there for years. Yep. You know, Perth had Damien Martin, Casper Ware. Not Damien Martin. Uh, Damien Martin, sorry. Um, uh, they, for years they did have Damien Martin. Pardon? They did have Damien Martin for years. They did have Damien But um, Bryce Cotton, Damien Martin, Mitch Norton, Nick Kay. They had, they, had, they had these players in Melbourne, you know, Chris Golding, uh, Mitch McCarran. These core players that are there year in, year out. Mm. And it's very hard to have any kind of Rust, you know, it doesn't work in the NBA. I don't think it works here at blowing up. I think it takes a couple of years to build a good core of players, get them to play together, and and then see what happens. And, you know, that's why I'd be tempted to bring a lot of these guys back and then just add better pieces around them mm. uh, for the next season. Although there is a whole new NBA NBL team coming into the next season, um, which is going to add a little bit of an interesting, you know, wrinkle in things because there's going to be, you know, another 10 roster spots up for the taking. Um which which could lure lure guys away for you know the promise of more money in their first season. Yeah, it's 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 again another like the in expansion kind of hurts. Like thinking about that now that you just mentioned it, the, the expanding of the league kind of hurts because there's going to be another twelve players now that we're not going to be able to. Uh, like we're going to have to be in and fighting for another twelve players basically because if the the new Tasmanian franchise want to go in elbows first into some of these um, tussles for players, then we're going to have to be in there trying to fight for that market. So, you know, it compounds, compounds it again. Uh, just looking at some of the stats, I opened up the team stats here and just added it. Uh, free throws attempted. Perth uh, by, I don't know if you can see it, read that, but Perth by I far, by far <laughs> the most free throws. And that says a lot, doesn't it? Um, 737 for them. I mean, this includes uh, the other night's game. Um, I had actually saved it and then I restarted my machine. So now it's just updated again, which was annoying. Um, but yeah, Cairns, free throws attempted 555 and then Perth 737. So that's, that's a huge disparity between the worst team in the league and the best team in the league. Like that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that is. That um, is so, so there you go. Uh, if you look at our stats though, in the grand scheme of things, let's, um, what can we do to fix this points? We're obviously, we were fifth in points total. Um, again, this includes those game, the games from the finals, which has been annoying. But um, as a team, I don't think we shot the ball that well. Like we're always kind of struggling for scheme. If you look, field goal percentage, yeah. 40, 44%, uh, 49%, uh, sorry, 77% from the free throw line. That's not great. You kind of want to get that up near 80 um, and then three for threes, you know, shooting the three ball at 33% as a team. Never felt like at times we had just, you know, we're knocking them down. Like this is a great team. It was always, 
you know, it was always a uh, an uphill struggle, you know, getting this Still team to shoot threes. DJ had his feet planted. Mm. That's the only time this year you really felt that that was going in. Um, lowest in steals. That's very interesting. Uh, we were. Yeah, man, could could you feel that though? We were not a handsy, like no. not a not a hard defense team. And we were also a um there's a couple of calls and then it was just like, okay, we'll just play with our hands up then. You know? Yeah. I'd like to see um some more sort of dig down defense over the next couple of seasons, like getting in some guys that are, that are good at digging down and ripping the ball. Cooks was really good at doing that this season. Obviously we missed him. Well. Uh Reed, yeah, true. Rebounding the ball. Uh, we were fifth in rebounds, uh, and then assists wise, we were quite, quite high up at the start of the season. Um, we're averaging, I think in the first like seven or eight games, I think we were averaging around 20 assists a game, which is pretty good for us. And then we kind of struggled, you know, and then, you know, one of the least assisting teams in the league, Perth being one of the best, it kind of showed, I feel like our, our, our game was very isolation heavy. Casper's not a pass first point guard. And I don't think showed enough kind of, you know, you can go into a mode of assisting, you know, I, I always felt like that was just awkward and uncomfortable. And anytime he had a game where he, you know, had seven or eight assists and didn't have the points, it never felt like smooth and in the flow of what was happening. It was always felt awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah, I completely agree. That, that's kind of just his game though, isn't it? It's um, true, and and you know what? There was there was more emphasis on Shawnee Bruce to score as well this year, instead of diming people up because there wasn't really anyone to pass it to that was you know open to shoot. Really, it was all drive and you know a lot of ISO, a lot of breakdown play as well, which was um, kind of annoying. So much Shawnee like starting too, and that just not working for most of the season. You're just like this is not really working. You know, it doesn't. As a two guard, he didn't shoot the ball enough. As a two guard you know, kind of facilitated a little bit too much and didn't look for a shot. Like we, we saw him towards the end of the season go to that foul line jumper and that foul line, foul line jumper was working for him. And then it just, instead of going, oh, that's a good way to score, you kind of just like really starkly put into contrast how how little he was doing that at the start of the season. He was just like, why were you not scoring the ball like this? Um, and then obviously like this swing, swing back to Shawnee Bruce, he was kind of knocking those down towards the end of the season too. Whereas earlier on in the season, the ball just didn't move. The ball just didn't hop around to get back to Shawnee. It was kind of just a bit, you know, a bit, a bit uncomfortable. Another one of those uncomfortable things. Uh, just on the stats, uh, best f- uh, field goal percentage. I keep getting those shots of those, <laughs> those awful mug shots from when they were in college. Uh, Jordy Hunter with the best field goal percentage, 57.5%. Xavier Cooks definitely, uh, I think, was one of the better players around the room as well. We really missed him. And then Jarrell at 50%, I think super important. His offense was great, you know, rather than, you know, if, if he comes back, rather than we get him into these positions where he's scoring in isolation, you know, I think we can definitely maneuver him into a scoring position where he gets these open looks, has to re- rely less on, crazy step backs and you're just like what like wow what a move like one dribble hezzy step back and it's just like a, a big man doing this is great but there was just too much of that man this season yeah too unreliable game and came out you know and he he could do it like he showed he could do it but you were just like oh, man like can't we get this guy easy buckets like let's get this guy some easy buckets uh looking at three-point percentage tommy v on on low amounts was up there around 42%, I think, at one point. Ended up 
and a half percent that kind of dropped off. And then Craig Moller, who was I think down at about 22, 23 percent, sort of very early doors, he ended up bringing it all the way up to 37.9 percent and became pretty reliable. And I always felt like kind of DJ after DJ went down, like Jarrell's still reliable from three, like yeah, pretty solid. Fairly, yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was good. Bruce, 32. Yeah, it's. He didn't get enough, like, wide open with his feet set. Like, when his feet are set, he can knock them down. Like, yeah. there was too much shot creation for him, I think. And, you know, the ball just didn't swing around. And when he was playing at the two guard, it was just like, well, what's the point of this? Because he wants catch and shoots. Like, he wants to initiate play, run plays, play make. And then the ball just doesn't come back to him to, to knock down shots. Like, the ball comes back to him to just do a Casper. Like, you know, you got any hezzy, any dribble? Um, you know, you're going to take a step back, Shawnee B? Like, I don't know. It's just not his game, I think. No. Very, That's very seventy-six of two hundred and fifty. Wow. That's very rough, man. Very, that, very that rough. Is, for that volume of, of shooting, it's just that's not acceptable for a marquee player. That's unacceptable. Let's let's look at it in the whole league. What he ended up being in three-point percentage, going all the way down. Um, what did we say it was? 30? 30.4. They are 79th. 70, 70, 77th. 77th. Wow, in the league. Taking 250, that's just way too many. Who, to, who took the most? I'm intrigued. Because there was a one point that um, Cam, Cam Oliver was, took just a ridiculous amount. Tyler Harvey, yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> he takes some horrendous shots, man, just horrendous <laughs> shots. Um, and then Sober, yeah, legit, um, Goulding and Cotton and Blanchfield as well. Cotton only 32%. That's, that's, a bit, that's interesting. Mm. He's, he's, he's generally not a, not a high three-point three percentage. He's, his damage is kind of done off the dribble inside playmaking you know and he, and he can knock him down in the clutch toddy blanchfield taking 250 yeah legit um and then some of these other guys jason can how did he even take it was he even on the floor that much 213 wow 33 percent. that's crazy yeah it's just you know throwing them up um but again steals like you said we were the lowest steals casper where 26 steals like if do you look at casper and go wow like defensive handsy you know, yes, that's the one thing I, yeah? I feel. Casper, yes, I feel Casper okay, yeah, is the enough. best defensive guard in the league. Where he struggles, but like pickpocket styles. Yeah, A lot of pulling the chair and picking up the ball afterwards. A lot it. of pickpockets. Um, you know, one steal a game is you know for a, a league is still pretty low. Uh, less than one steal a game is low for a defensive player. But I, I, I do think that's one of his strengths. If you look at kind of guards of his. Match keeper Sykes is a bit of Tyler Harvey's terrible on defense. Like he is a solid defender and and can handle a mismatch somewhat. So no, I I don't disagree with that. But that for your best defensive player is still not enough for a season. Mm. Just looking at the last year's Shawnee B, only had a hundred assists. I would, I would have thought he was a little bit higher up there because he is always kind of one of the main playmakers off the bench. Um, he went up 126 assists this season. Then Casper again with the most assists for a guy that's not, you know, pass first. That's not a legitimate, genuine playmaker. I think that's that's kind of tells a little bit of a story. In that, you know, some of these other guys not shooting the higher percentages is due to the fact that some of these other guys weren't getting assists and playmaking as much. It was a lot of like single, single, uh, single ball handler playmaking out of ISO situations, that's, that screams to me that type of scenario. 
these stats. Uh, and then blocks too. I'm pretty sure we were quite low down in the blocks. I'm just going to bring it up from memory. Ah, sixth. Perth, Perth have the least blocks. What? Did not know that. Uh, come back. Uh, Geordie Hunter with 38 blocks. No, solid. Pretty solid for the season. Not too bad. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, there's some of the stats. Any Anything else that, like, popped out in your mind that you wanted to go through with the individual stats? Because we're going to get on to grades in a minute. Probably the most disappointing season for my mind was Brad Newley. I think yeah. they're going from the last two seasons before that, you know, really when we kind of started the podcast, even in the, you know, the, the David Ware seasons, Brad Newley was, a, you know, a, a beast. You know, when he was getting going, getting downhill, you know, it, it was on. Mm. His three ball was falling, and then this season he just felt like he just was absent. Yeah, just passive and, you know. Passive and absent and not really there and not getting to his corner, Brad, and it was just weird. It wasn't really a Brad. I don't know if he was injured or, or what, if he was a bit, you know, it just it wasn't. Yeah, like, I don't know, veteran. He's a veteran on this team, but not a Revamart veteran. Revving you up, I'm in your face, I'm there. Like, like I'm, come on, boys, like, let's go. Like, he's, he's never been that kind of player. But I think this season the leadership style was evident in his mm. demeanor and stuff in that, like, very, very passive. I, I don't know. Like, I, I respect his game. And I, a lot of the times this season I was just – any time he had the ball – I'd be going, there's no big at home. There's no big at home. Get to the hole. Like, and it's, it's obviously really, it's easy for us to sit here watching a, a telecast going, get to the hole, get to the hole. Like we can see the whole court. Um, but even instinctively, like last year, there was a lot of like, he, he would just get the ball and go. And that would kind of push us on, spur us on. But there wasn't really that much of this, that this season. So no. I think it's, it's up to a coach to come in and go to Brad Newley, like, your game is getting to the hole, and anytime you have the ball, just push it. I don't care. Um, and I kind of have been like thinking this over in my head that if I was the coach and I was telling him to do it, I still don't feel like he was he would do it. Like it's it's kind of that mental mental thing in him. And like he, I thought he played like that this season in the fact that if you, even if you were going like Brad, get to the hole, Brad, 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 like he kind of wouldn't do it. Yeah. Did you feel like that this season? There was a little yeah, bit like that. Just, that's what I mean. It was just felt a bit passive. Mm. But at certain instances, he'd hold up play or if he'd, he'd get to the hole, it was not with the same vigour. I don't know. Maybe his body's, you know, not the same as it once was. But, mm. um, yeah, in stretches, I was just a bit disappointed. Just kind of um, falling in love with the uh, the three as well. Mm. And this season he shot it. What did he shoot it at? Something. Yeah, something. Like he was up there at the start of the season. 2021 season, yeah, 28%. Wow. Whoa. But, yeah, nah, struggle. All right, we'll, we'll move to the grades. Uh, I'm just going to go. Uh, the first, first guys are the ungradables uh, and the guys that fall into that category. Unfortunately, I can't show you this, so you're going to have to just take my lead from this. Um, so the ungradables, Lockie Hutchinson, although I think we can talk individually about some of these guys and how they did this season. Like, mm. I think definitely Lockie kind of showed – you know, he's probably three – like, I don't know if he's at an M at NAR level. Like, he still looks like he's, like, three or four years away from even being like, oh, okay, I can evaluate you now. Um, but at the same time, he had a couple of really good moments coming in, burgling a couple of charges. That <laughs> was good, a little charge burglar. Yeah. A little bit passive, um, especially in games where he needed to be assertive, dominant, when Bruce was out, 
just take the ball and shoot. No one gives, no one cares, man. Mm. Um, you know, or just looking for the pass first at his own detriment. And it's different when you're a six ten point guard with you know some of the best players in the league around you. But when you're on Sydney, sometimes you just got to take it by the balls and and shoot. And he just didn't do that enough in my mind. Mm. Um, but again, that's the, I don't know. You don't know what he's being told by the coach. You don't know what he feels. If he's like, oh, I'm a development player, I shouldn't do this. But you know, I think there's a couple of games there would have just you know, just shoot. Who cares? Mm. There's nothing to lose in this situation where you know we're down to our you know fifth string lineup. Um, you're gonna have to shoot a few baskets, and there was a few times where we, you know we shot clock violations because it was just hot potatoes and not good enough. But mm. um, potential, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think I, I can't. I don't know how old he is. Actually, I might just quickly look that up. It might take exactly. a bit of. Um, I should, we should say that he's pretty. Yeah, he's probably the the most talented out of the development player. Twenty one years old. Twenty one. Yeah. So probably I don't know it, what's I don't even know what development player <laughs> eligibility is. I probably should know that, but I don't. Um, I don't see uh, like you know if a development player is coming in and grabbing that role, you kind of want him to do a little bit more than that. Mm. Which kind of leads me into Galloway when Galloway was thrown into that. Um, Adelaide game, like you actually had a sense of, oh, this this guy's actually kind of competing. Like it wasn't great. Like he didn't like he made a couple of little heads up plays, a couple of bonehead plays, but at the same time, it didn't feel like we were really kind of going to a development player when he came out on the floor. No. Yeah, it's kind of what Jordan Hunter was two seasons ago, mm, and a little bit Dane Panoe as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Galloway Woodhill. I think I think Woodhill was definitely like the Lockie Hutch version, version, version of uh, you know very, a few years away. You know, I think he like. But when Galloway was out there, I was like, oh, Galloway's you know can hold his own. He has some power. He has um, a decent decent enough frame, um, decent basketball IQ. Didn't shoot the ball that great, but this at the same time kind of um, kind of gave an account of himself. I'd be very interested to see again another power forward. Um, would be great in forty system, uh, the the <laughs> ultimate power forward team, uh, and then to Glover, un- unfortunately injured in the second game against the Taipans and knee clash. The four weeks he'll be back in four weeks that turned into like the entire season he was out. So yeah, um, that was interesting in itself. But yeah, a bit of a shame, man. I think it's unlucky for him. He's definitely a likable player. I don't think you know a yeah. guy that you would sort of say, well, you know. We really missed him, but at the same time, like I think he he was a good, solid little, solid young player. And at the same time, it's it's easier to kind of compare that to Detch, where you're just like, man, why didn't we not get Detch? And we were saying it. I went back to some of our pods last season at the back end of last season. We were just like, get Detch seriously, get that guy. <laughs> like we need that guy. And he had a decent season for Adelaide. And it's a shame for for Glover, but um, yeah, that knee, man, that knee injury. And then Kernich drew the last one, basically. You know, coming. <laughs> what, what can you say about him? Like, I think there was a couple of games in there. I think with the, the game we went, we went to, he came in, missed a few assignments. You know, a couple of turnovers, and it was just like we never saw him again. Yeah. So yeah, can't really grade grade him. Um, and that yeah, that that rounds out the ungradables. I think you know, I think Weeksy. I kind of wanted to put Weeksy in here, but I definitely think Weeksy had enough there to go. Nah, we're giving him a grading. Well, he had enough there. He also played a full season for for, for New Zealand, so we've seen other aspects as well. So he's he's had a full season of basketball. But for us, 
I, I, like he was borderline, but at the same time, like I still wanted to just like boom, like uh, he deserves a score because he came in and he didn't really do that much as a kind of more veteran player. So moving moving into that, uh, I'll, I'll be doing these on the fly, so I'll, I'll have to. I'll do yours first and then I'll save it and then mine after that. Uh, so what are you, Weesey, what are your thoughts? Let's go, let's go thoughts, talk a little bit and then you can give grading. Didn't really think he fit the team. It was kind of just a, a knee-jerk reaction to someone who was available. Um, I like, he's got a pulse. Get him in. <laughs> he, he can breathe. Let's, let's play him. Um, <laughs> what more can I say? You know, you get let go by the New Zealand breakers. Um, you know, for what reason? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but I don't really care. Um, he wasn't really having a great season for the breakers either. Um, came into the city team, you know, could quite easily see that he hadn't really fit the mould. Um, not a strong ball handler, not really a strong shooter, just kind of a guy who's been around the league for a long time playing backup point guard. Um, you know, I, I, it's not what we needed down the stretch of the season. Uh, and, and for that mind, it's kind of a D. D? Yeah. Yeah, I, man. That's that's it was rough. Like even what he, even what he brought for us. Like the the thought of Jared Weeks, right? You go, oh, hustles a bit. You know, can can shoot it. Like not a not a great shooter, but a streaky shooter. Um, plays quick, and I like that. Even even watching him come in and just like rush the ball up the court, and then turn around and just be like, no, no one's in the front court. Like what's, what's going on here? Like what the hell's going on? Um kind of said a lot that he didn't just go oh well i'll adjust my game and i'll i'll work on this and he, like a lot of the time in those last few games he would just rush the ball up and then nothing be going on we set up we'd initiate and it was just like man this just does not work um but yeah just just rough man a rough signing for him rough stuff if he came back i wouldn't be upset that upset right i wouldn't be going oh man that's a waste of a roster spot because I can kind of see the potential he could give a team, like with the speed in which he plays. But that's about it, man. A D D plus for me. D plus. And I kind of wanted to kind of want to have him in there with a with a chance to just kind of go D. Um, because it, it was a huge uh what's going on? Save. Yeah, there we go. And that's popped up now. Um, so let's move to Xavier Cooks. I'm going minutes on minutes here. So yep. The amount of minutes we, Cooks was next, obviously with that injury, half a season. But though he did come back, what were your thoughts on Cooksy? Uh, from my mind, Cooks is an A. Um, he's, you can quite clearly see his skill level is is outside the NBL, um, and it's a shame that you know the season kind of eluded him. Brought a little bit of the three ball to the game, five of ten, low volume. But I mean, first season we didn't see that at all. In the summer league, we didn't see that at all. Um, so that was definitely a, a bonus. Um, can play multiple positions. He can play three, four, five. He can guard five. He can. He's quick. Um, very good defensively. His offensive game is getting stronger. His ball handling ability is strong. He can read the plays. His facilitating is is good. Um, he's a kind of a, he's he's a marquee player, and he, you know, we only saw him in limited minutes. But I mean, he he would have been the deciding factor, I think, most of the season. Um, bar everything else, if we didn't lose Cooks to injury, I think we'd be in the finals. Yeah, I think it, it's hard to say that over an entire season of 36 games, but I do think he was a massively important miss this season. It's, it's a testament to him as a player. I think the development trajectory he's gone in 
on over the last couple of years has been very, very steep. And even coming into the FIBA game, you can see those tools, that length, the the quickness, the the ability to kind of playmake in the broken space, I think is an underrated trait of his as well. The shooting's not really there, and it definitely wasn't there at the start of like when he came last season. Like you could tell, it's like a bit reluctant to shoot. But the other things he does are great. Um, I think this season he'd worked on his shot a little bit too. Like in the first game, he shot a couple that he got injured. In the preseason game, he shot a couple of those and kind of looked like the stroke was back and even coming back. But yeah, we just missed that extra def- defensive body too. Like he's so good around the rim, these little like body up and rip down moves. Well, that if, if, if you have him and Martin on the floor, it's just positive because he doesn't miss rotations. You know, Jordan Hunter and, and Martin on the floor are just two defensive rotations missed. Yep. Um, and it's a liability. And Cooks adds that 4-5 versatility where he can come on and play small ball center. Defensively, mm. can can play against the best bigs in the league. Um, and then you have that – you don't worry so much about Martin's lack of defense. Yep. Um, and, th- and that's really what we missed a lot of the season. And in a lot of games, that would have been the deciding factor for my mind, um, mm. even though that you've got a team of power forwards. Davey Cook's definitely one of them that you want in there. Yeah, he could have played all like from two all the way to five. So I went with a B plus. I think I don't think he did enough to kind of get an A. Like you know, a B B plus I think is good for me. But definitely try and sign him and get him back next season because yeah, it's going to be going to be huge uh, if we can kind of build around him as a versatile guy. Uh, Daniel Kickett, interesting interesting player to sort of talk about. Has retired now too. And, yeah, and, and it was. It was warranted. I think the long <laughs> off season on that frame, you know, last season he you could kind of see he was slowing down and, and you know, an extended off season with lack of training. Just don't think he ever got his rhythm back. You know, he's good in a couple of games. His shooting wasn't as good this year. Um, his defense was definitely not as good this year. He was a step slower. Um, and you know, it was kind of, you know, it was just it was another warm body we could throw in at the center spot with, with no Xavier Cooks. That could, you know, put up a couple of points a night. Um, you know, for what he's done for the game, you know, how good he was for a number of years as, as one of the best shooters that the local league's ever seen. You know, played well for Australia. Um, famous Australia versus Philippines fight was in there <laughs> fighting for Australia. <laughs> the, the old Filipino elbow. That's it, mate. That was it. So you can't hate him, but from a season perspective, I mean, it was time to go. It was yeah. time to retire. His body did not look like it could... To, could give much more, um, you know. I'm I'm going to give him a C, just because it's Daniel Kickett. But I mean, if if it wasn't Daniel Kickett in some random, I'd probably give him a D minus because, you know, there there was not much left for him to give. But what he did give, he could. Yeah, and I think to go back to the first season we had him, um, he was definitely exposed with that team where you were like, whoa, like get him out of that choker choker spot. Like all he can do is stand there with his arms up. That's about it. He doesn't have any lateral quickness. Um, we, we fixed that last season and kind of went, all oh, right, you got JT, you know, you got cooks, you got some other bodies you can throw it and throw it dudes and DK can kind of exist in this little space going in and out of, um, going downhill and coming up to the 11 o'clock spot and shooting a three. And that, that's a perfect role for him. And then suddenly back to this season, it was like, well, DK, you're going to have to play, make a little bit, get in the post, uh, play defense. Uh, you know, you and Jarrell, are you a combo that works? No, you're not a combo that works. Um, you know, Hunter and DK, are you a combo? That- no, you're not a combo that works. And that was just kind of going back to last year's, uh, the year before's um, DK, where it was very evident, I think, 
that retirement was on the cards. I mean, you never want to look at a guy as likable as Kicker and go, you know, man, you need to retire. But there was a, definitely a, a few times this season where it was like, man, like it's it's time. And I think retired at the exact right time. It's a shame that last year didn't kind of become fruitful for him to win a, a championship yeah. um, because I def- definitely think his career deserved to go out like with the last couple of years winning some silverware. Um, and disappointing for him, although I think what a career though, man, like what an amazing player. I think to do what he's done, 50, 40, 90 guy, um, it's just unbelievable, man. Like he, he was really a great player and had a great career, not just in the NBL, but for the international team as well. And I think he'll be missed um, veteran wise in our club as well, because, you know, another veteran dude who can hold his own as well. I went with a C as well, so. Um, but I feel like, you know, we might have to do some sort of tribute or something for him or some Highlights reel. Maybe yeah. we get a highlights reel going. Highlight reel. See if we can compress time and space with him jumping off the floor <laughs> <laughs> with, his, uh, with his vacuum lift. Uh, Didi Lazada was the next one on the list for the bench guys. Coming off the bench, a little bit of an injury issue. Uh, had a couple of injury issues rather this season. Um, so, yeah, interesting season. Second season ended in having to leave early i think in terms of his nbl development leaving early was definitely kind of early early like i don't think he had kind of matured and blossomed nbl wise yet this season do you feel like no i think that he's what he was picked up for was his ability to guard multiple positions one through three i think his length and i think that's really where a lot of teams in the NBA are looking for that defensive 2-3 that can maybe score a little bit. And we didn't see a lot of good scoring from Didi this year. Although, look, he's one of those guys that you you couldn't really – it's hard to to give an overall grade to because in certain instances he played terribly offensively, but in certain instances he was the team and he was, you know, the number one player for games. And and defensively, you know, you could put him on Cotton and Cotton was just struggling and you could put him on – Goulding and Goulding would struggle. He was yeah, a couple of good games against Sobi too. Yeah, some elite defensive plays, and that's where you really that's why he was picked up in in early. It's just you know I think New Orleans was just like okay, we need to this this some sparkle of offense, and we need to get him over here to develop that in the off season mm. because defensively he's ready. He's ready to play NBA basketball. Yeah. In terms of what he brought to the team, I mean, it, it was kind of priceless. Really, he was the integral part of. Of, of of the team um you know i'd probably give you season a, a, an overall b yeah um i think that's probably relevant to the, the not the offset off offensive season he had but just the defensive mm. you know is he probably the one of the best defensive players in the league um in terms of how he could shut down scorers uh how he wouldn't miss rotations and how he'd lock in on certain players and i think that you're not really going to get another player like that in the league for a number of years, um, uh, although his defensive, uh, offensive uh, game at times was left to be desired, I think that's yeah, defensively, mm. very much missed. Shooting the ball, like sh- for him who is a natural shooter, I think he is a natural shooter. He's shown that he showed that developing when he was playing in South America, and for the Kings a little bit as well. That part, I think, as an NBA player can be honed, but the fundamental defensive stuff, 
you're, I think you're right. It was what set him apart in his development where he was at. Because I, I still feel he was felt like he was undercooked. Even watching him this season, I was like, you know, he, he's still not ready. Like he's got some injury issues. He's got some um, little bit of scoring stuff that he kind of needs to work on. But at the same time, you could always see that NBA trajectory like was was there. Like you know, at any time they could have taken him, and you know, even at the end of last season, they could have taken him. Or like where where they did halfway through this season, they took him. It was still like, yeah, like I'm not worried about him. He's going to be a lot like, you know, he's going to develop in the US and be a much, much better NBA talent um, than what's happening at this NBA in this kind of Sydney Kings NBL sort of scenario. And like, I want to say like he's going to be a great player, but I, I still am a bit like disappointed with what he was kind of giving us. Um, I don't know if he was injured or something like that. And I still kind of want to go, I don't think we saw the best of him from what, I, I, you know, I, what he, I, I, what I we thought. Agree. I, I think, remember that game we went to Illawarra to watch yeah. him in the preseason and he just went off. And he we absolutely like, torched them. Just single-handedly blew mm. that team out of the water. Yeah, you and I left that game just going like, "Oh my god!" Like if he, if this is anything like we're going to get this season, like he's going to just torch the entire league. And I think injuries kind of hampered that. I think lower back injuries, you know, you can mm. see it at certain times. Um, Had some cramp movement. stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the mold of the NBA, and I think you know Matisse Tybal has has shown what a single-handed defensive bench player can do. Like Diddy's never going to be a twenty million dollar guard. You know, he's going to be a guy that's, you know, six million, four-year contract. You're, you come on down the stretch of games to guard Kyrie Irving. You come down the stretch of mm. games to guard. Um, he's always going to be like a clay to Jamal, a Steph rather than correct. a Steph, you know. Yeah, Jamal Murray or Donovan Mitchell. Like, he's a locked-in six-foot-five long defender who's quick. Mm. Um, that's where his position in the NBA is going to be. If you can score a bit as well, then... You know, that's that's a bonus for the Pelicans. But, I mean, that's that's really where he is. He's, he's going to be in that kind of two-spot defensive, oversized shooting guard who's, who's long. Um, and that's kind of what we saw him in at Sydney this year. Just happened to be at a point where we really didn't have a lot of scorers. Mm. Um, and so that was kind of evident in, in certain stretches that, you know, we, no one could get going because there was a lack of scoring options. But... Um, you know, for what he was, what he could be, you know, I agree, undercooked, but Pelicans obviously wanted to get him into the system for, for the next year um, for obviously a push for, for postseason. So, um, yeah, no, I think B's a, B's a fair. B for you. I went with C. Just I've also taken all the plus minuses out because they messed with the formatting, so no more plus minuses, <laughs> plus and minuses. Um, yeah, I went with a C. I think B B's probably the trajectory of where he would have finished the season, where he was heading, but I, I still, yeah, that, that undercookedness, kind of makes it a C for him because I, I don't think that that attack on the attacking end, on the offensive end, you know, kind of let down really what he was as a player and what he gave to this team. Although, you know, wish him luck. And I definitely think he he was a lovable player too. And another guy you were just like, you know, I can get behind this guy, which is also important as well in this franchise, especially in the NBL, which is kind of like a, a smaller league in the grand scheme of things. It's a kind of a small, small fish in a big pond type thing. Uh, moving to your your man Tommy V Tommy Vadanovic started the season uh, with the 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 uh, what would you say um, uh, I can't think of what the what the word is lovable no what's the word for um, for when you when you endear a term of endearment I definitely think uh, Tommy Vaudeville 
coming coming into this uh, situation. But very quickly, Tommy, like we couldn't even think of what that you you just had to like tweak your brain. We were like, oh yeah, Tommy Vaudeville. We were calling him that at the start of the season. Definitely got his name back, and I definitely think you know blossomed into a very likable character off the bench. I'm I'm talking too much, man. You need to take it away because he's your man. Um, definitely, I think that for the role he was brought into play and what he delivered. You know, I think it was unlucky that, you know, really he's a power forward and down there stretch of the season we had an abundance amount of power forwards and so we really didn't get a, a chance, or, yeah, really a chance to, to kind of play that backup position. One of the purest shooting form techniques, I think, in the league. Um, young, I think he's got a long way to go. Mm. Um, Is he young? He's like 24. Is he kind of got that veteran vibe? I don't think he is. I think he's, he's, he's only young. He is 26. Yeah, that's 26. young enough. Young enough. Um, I always felt like he was in his 30s. I don't know. He had that veteran-style game. It's that Kiwi head, mate. Yeah, it's, it's that Conor, Kiwi Conor McGregor-style look that he's got. Um, look, for the season he had, for what, he, what were his expectations, what he gave us in stretches, I mean, you can't go past a B, you know, as a, as a lovable larrikin. Um in Pete? times, obviously, defensively, you know, maybe maybe a little bit of a liability. Gave his all. Uh, in certain in certain instances, he was all the offense we had, you know, going to Tommy in the post. You know, that's that's how, how deep we were going. Um, but I think he, you know, definitely could have him back as, as, a, as a depth bench player. Um, I think he's definitely earned his stripes in that respect. Um, just needs to get his defense a little bit more... Uh, evolved yeah um, also he was kind of reft off the floor a whole bunch by the referees just you know, i th- i think it's fouls. yeah so yeah some silly ones okay yeah fair enough but on the flip side there was just a lot of like that flow chart that i put out did he place defense yes foul like there was a lot of that this season yeah. and we'll get to hunter but there was a lot of that on him too but there was some some bigs this season where it was just like any anything they were calling and it was almost like let's just call it and then work it out later and in Tommy's case, the hustle was so so deserved with what he was providing too. Like the more hustle he gave, the spark off the bench, I think that was really getting this team going as well. And then to to hit that brick wall of just any any time he was getting on this defensive rhythm, he would just get reft off the floor. That was just brutal, absolutely yeah. brutal for him. Um, offensively, can knock down a three. I think if he takes that kick it spot, you know, from last year. You know, four or five minutes off the bench. Oh, I'm, I'm in on that a little little lift in some of these other games where you need a bigger guy to give you a bit of a lift. I definitely think he he could have a little bit of a spot. But for what for what he gave, I went with a B. I think in a in an isolated situation, what he gave you needs to have the context of what he was as a player. Like really, there's the expectations portion. Definitely looking at him, just going, what is this guy going to provide? Like who who knows? to, wow, this is actually, you know, some pretty good stuff, to a level that he got to where you were like, wow, like he, he, I think he started a couple of games as well where you were like definitely deserves like what he's getting here in terms of minutes, rotation, offense, they'll throw in post-ups. He was like initiating offense. There was dribble handoffs and stuff like that. Um, And then kind of tapered off to the end of the season. And I think if he was a more established player, you kind of like you're getting into C territory for the way he finished the season. But I think for for a, um, a, a an injury replacement to come in and give that yeah B man a definite B for me. 
and you are much higher on him, and I think a B is B's pretty good. He's good. Uh, Bradley Newley. Oh, what a rough, rough season. You can, you can talk about him. Yeah. I don't really know what to say. I mean, we all know Brad Newley. He's played here for many years in this league. He's been around since, you know, day dot. A um, couple of big seasons. Fantastic player. And I just, one word, just passive. This season, just passive. Um, you know, from my mind, I, I'd say it's, it's a D. D? Um, Whoa. A D. Just very disappointing. I don't know whether it's for body. Disappointment. I don't know whether it was the time off. You know, I think from what we saw last year to this year, very, very passive. Like, it just almost, he, he was a shadow playing in the team. You know, it wasn't front and center. wasn't out in transition a whole lot. Um and yeah, just disappointing season. It's funny you mentioned the off-season stuff because in those podcasts, the Hoops Collective or Capital, whatever they are, he like when he talks, right? He, he's quite learned sounding and quite deep, a deep thinker sounding, a little bit weaverish. And when I listened to those, we were talking about his off-season where he was just like, oh, I just went out in the bush, you know, like you know, really got away from it all. It kind of like there's just tweaked in my mind a little bit and just went, you know, that's, that's actually really a good representation of how you play the game. Like, for example, if a fight's going on, you know, you're definitely not looking at newly to get in there, like staunch up and be like, come on, you want to go? You want some of this? Yeah. You know, he's a guy that's going to be like, oh, boys, like, come on, let's, it's just a game type of thing. And I think that kind of encapsulates how he played this season where he existed beside what the camaraderie of this team was. Although in a basketball sense, he still gave that hustle and that, doggedness yeah. right but it wasn't like wild and you know i, I don't know I'll, i want to see if we do retain him next season i want to see him get wild again man because he definitely has a game where it's just like the wilder you are the more your game benefits us being able to get to the who pushing in transition really get out and run the more if, if you're a coach you're looking at that going yes like i want that in my team because you know you can make this team play a lot faster but I still, again, like I said before, look at him and I go, I feel like even if we were a coach going, yes, do this, he kind of just wouldn't do it because it feels like it's that type of mental thing and not a sense of, you know, I wasn't given any license so I didn't do anything. Like I still feel like, you know, as a veteran in this team, he didn't do the veteran thing and just lead by example. Yeah. Does that feel like that? I might, I might be missing the I missing agree. the mark on that, but I think, I think it's also a, a mentality thing of maybe, you know, veterans in a local league that don't necessarily have to put in the work. I mean, if you want to stay in the NBA, you watch at LeBron train in the off season. You look at Carmelo train in the off season. You look at these guys that are 35, 36. They don't have an off season. They go mm. straight into postseason training. They get their body right for the season to come. You don't see that from veterans in local leagues. They kind mm. of just they get there based on their presence, and you can see the trajectory of how much they fall off in a couple of seasons past about thirty-four. They're just they're just not the same. And whether that's you know a mentality thing, whether that's the money, you know, it's not worth the toll on the body because of the money, or it's just because it's it's a guaranteed contract. You don't know really. I, I don't know the mentality behind it, but mm. that just seems to be what it was. You know, yeah, it's. Bit disappointing. It's Aussie, Aussie culture too. Like family man, 
and I definitely think he's a family man and I, I respect him for that. And it's a definitely an honorable trait in the way he plays the game too. And a kick, it's kind of the same where you're like family man doesn't really matter that much. You know, no, maybe it doesn't. I'm a professional, professional sports in Australia are less about the glamour and the, uh, the, you know, that whole aspect of it and more about, you know, I play the game hard and yeah, I'm just hoping next season he comes back. If he does come back, he plays the game hard. I went with the C. D's a bit harsh for me. I was like, oh, it's a bit harsh. But um, I definitely think, yeah, C, it's a, it's a not above pass grade. No. Um, and I'll just save that. And then Craig Muller, bit of a bit of a surprise package to end the season, I think. It'd be, it, it, you know, obviously you can probably put the points up. It'd be interesting to see where he kind of ended MVP voting because – Seems like Craig was always on the table for you know top three players in a game. I think if your expectations are that he's one of the best bench players in the league, you know you're about right. Um, gives everything, hustle god, um, offensive rebounding genius. Brought the three ball back, you know. Brought some bloody, you know, um, turning, shooting, fading kind of shots, you know, tried to get the offense going when nothing would fall, not always successful, but, you know, kind of the heart and soul of the team, really. Um, had a fantastic season. You know, A, for what for what it is, uh, for what he's done. Yeah, yeah. Right at the team, it's, it's definitely an A for me. It's an A for me too. I think it definitely – he's definitely had a rough start to the season and I think it's it's super commendable, like – very early on in the season, there was some, you know, post-game stuff or there was some interview stuff where they were like, what's going on with that three ball, you know, shooting at 20%. And he's just like, I'm working on it and I'm working hard and hopefully it, it kind of those percentages get up there. And I love the fact that he just was taking them and they suddenly were going down and he was getting confident and he, was, he got really confident shooting it and then that was rewarding him. And that's that's the kind of thing where – the the level that he's at, the personality he has, the way he plays the game, the the bonus impact that he gives on the glass in hustle defensively, it's it it all just ties into this package of like super likable guy, um, really really important piece. We said last year he was a bit of a, a glue guy, tying knitting this team together. This year he didn't have that much to glue together. It was kind of more about oh Craig, what kind of offense can you give us? You know, like defensively, can you anchor a defense? Uh, second unit can you even come into the the starting lineups and close games as well in crunch time and i thought he not necessarily you know smashed everything out of the park like he's but he still gave enough of like a part like a pass with you know high distinction so i went with a as well i'm just going to save that really quickly before we talk a little bit more about him the just the attitude man like the 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 way he played the game really you know to contrast brad newley the way he played was like hard on the sleeve stuff and that was rewarding his offense and his defense. And uh, yeah, I can't say any more like great things about him. And I, I would love to have him back next season. Hopefully he comes Definitely. back. I think he'll be a super important bench piece. Um, that pretty much rounds out the bench guys. You didn't want to say anything else about Craig? No, no, that's it. No, those dreads pretty good. Yeah. I think he got a, uh, a soaking in one of those games. I think that's the first time those dreads have been washed. <laughs> but we've recycled that joke. Gatorade. Yeah, so let's let's go to the the starters now. Uh, starting with DJ, who obviously unfortunately got injured very early, uh, very early on, about halfway through the season. Um, that was a massive, massive blow. But anyway, talk about your thoughts on DJ. 
to me, is kind of like a JJ Reddick clone. Um, I don't think he's got the like the runaround game. He's more than that. I feel like I think he can knock it down, but I don't. I think he's a long cuts guy. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, he's long cuts. He's more of he's yeah. He can get to the hoop quick, mm. quick off the dribble, like quicker than much quicker than we expected. Mm. Um, he's a like tight spaces guy, which I like anyway. Yeah, he's probably the only one in the in in the team where you're like, okay, that's going down. He shot that. That's going down. Mm. Um, I mean, I, what else can you say about him? You, you know, unfortunately, he's got one of the worst injuries you can have in basketball. Um, and that really kind of threw, derailed our season. Um, easily, if, if he'd continued on, he would have won Rookie of the Year by a country. By the fact that he was still in the Rookie of the Year discussion, <laughs> he didn't even play half the year. just shows mm. you how good he had, you know, the, the start of his season. I mean... Who was the you third know, guy in that? There was DJ, it was um, Justinian Jessup. Who was the other guy? I should know this, but... What do you call it? Anywho, let's not waste too much time. Let's not waste too much time yeah. with other people. Um, <laughs> man, A+. Plus. What, what but exactly, I think that, that kind of encapsulates what we're talking about. It's just like, you know, who was that other guy again? <laughs> like, you know, he missed half the season and he's still, you know what I mean? Like he's still, still top quality. Oh, no, what's going on? I've, I've just messed this a little bit up. Here we go. Um, so you went with A, right? No pluses or minus, but it was an A+, plus, right? Yeah, it was an A+. Plus. Um, I went with B. I think what he gave us was definitely an A, but then the injury kind of like takes a little bit of doot and just a little bit down. I think a B also gives him a chance to like next season come out. Like there's, there's not as much expectation on like after that post-injury because you're right, like that – it was Achilles injury, right? Yeah. 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 Um it wasn't a full uh, thickness tear, it was a partial thickness tear. Okay, I was blanking that out of my blotting that out of my mind a bit because you know, injuries and stuff, but I just hope he comes back with the same sort of explosiveness, you know? That's the part where I'm like, oh man, like for a guy he's, who he's more likely to, to get that back because it was not a full thickness tear of the Achilles, okay. it was partial. This was about sixty percent, which means that he still would have had strength in muscle fibers attached. So he's more likely to have a better outcome with that injury than a full thickness tear where you pretty much, you know, you snap the Achilles. It wasn't quite that. Yeah, it didn't um, snap. I remember there was one where someone's Achilles snapped and they found the tendon like up in his thigh. Is that possible? Or is that just an old wives' tale? Or like a, a tendon snapped somewhere it went up into his leg? Uh, you, you could probably get up towards his knee. Yeah, but maybe it was that. Maybe it was, maybe it was like I've just embellished the tale over time. Oh, injuries, man. Oh, far out. I hate injuries just thinking about it. Just thinking about the, the recovery part, um, knowing the mental stress. Like one of, the, one of the good examples is looking at like Haywood, two years coming back from that injury. I always frame an injury around that kind of mentality where – just two years, man. Like you got to like give it a little bit of time. No guy comes back fully like I'm just coming back absolutely blazing after a, a major injury. Kevin and, Durant. <laughs> yeah, that guy's a freak though. Like he's like got noodles, you know. He's got noodle noodle body parts. But for DJ, his his speed, his intelligence, shooting of the ball, like a lot of his game was about tight spaces, like little little left and rights, jitterbug stuff. Um. And, ah, oh, man, it sucks. Uh, I, I'm going to actually change it. I'm going to change it to an A because definitely what he gave us was going to be on track for giving us a postseason, like a real chance in the postseason. And, yeah, it's just a shame, man. Shame that he got injured. It really is. 
Um, looking at his shooting stats, it was 41% before he got injured, uh, 84% from the line too, and then 46% from inside. So he, he took a fair, fair volume inside, um, 254 shots. You take, take that away. Casper, half the amount of shots that Casper took, um, 395 for Jarrell. And then even though he was third, even though um, he got injured for most of the se- or half the season, he was third in our shots taken from inside the three-point line. Like, wow, wow. Uh, that moves us along to Jarrell Martin, import extraordinaire. Two, two, you know, a man of two faces. Um, defensively, not great. And you can mm. see probably why he's not in the NBA anymore. Then offensively, you can see why he's in the, he was in the NBA kind of thing. Just like, yeah, yeah. Just an offensive god, you know, just unreal offense game around the basket, the moves, the shooting, you know, definitely you can see why he, he was picked up and, you know, kind of that Jalil Okafor, Sean Long, you know, conundrum where they just can't defend but, you know, can offensively bring so much to the table. Um, and how you kind of hide them in a system. I mean, for that mind, it's it's he had an A offensive season, but kind of a C defensive season. So you have to kind of put him at a B uh, overall. You know, just what he brought to the table offensively outweigh what he was negative. And I think that in certain rotations, you could definitely hide him a lot better. That was with Cooks on the floor, with, yeah. with you know Hunter on the floor. It was just you know dumb and dumber. But <laughs> defensively. Um, yeah, th- that, that's really what it is. I mean, offensively, just phenomenal to watch. You know, probably the best offensive player in the league on your, on any night. Um, yeah, so I'm going to give a B, offensive B? A, defensive C. Yeah, and I think that's that's a good good way to put it. I think definitely an A on offense and a C on defense, which makes a nice clean B, a B for me as well. So I'm just going to save it, and then we're going to talk about him. But <clears throat> one of the big things, right? is if you have an off-season, like one of the big things, we're going to have to just go all in on him, right? If we're going to get him in, get him in, on the, in the, into the off-season, we're going to have to plan and scheme a defense around some of his defensive limitations. And then that's going to work a lot better than, oh, he comes in and then you know, hits the ground running. Like, you know, and then in this team where there's a lot of defensive breakdowns, there wasn't that much chemistry between multiple units like defensively, like Hunter never really connected that well with other t- other players on the court. Kickett had those sorts of issues, and then Jarrell compounding that. Like, um, it's it's hard to put a benchmark with J- uh, Jay Sean Tate that we had last mm. year, and that guy just glued with anyone. Didn't matter who it was; he could have played with any like, the worst players in the world, and he would have made them better defensively. And it's it's harsh to sort of look at Jarrell Martin and just go, well, why can't you be at that level defensively? But offensively, man, the the moves, the 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 smarts. One thing though, like a little bit not strong enough under the basket sometimes. Like he could he got bumped around a little bit too easily. So I'd like to see him if he did want to stay down down under, you know, and play the next five years, kind of get a bit more beef on that frame. Move away from the the speed at the, and the moves, the step backs and stuff, and kind of work more towards being like a post threat. I can see that kind of benefiting his game a little bit, um, but especially the, if you're not moving back to the NBA, I think if you're going to stay in the FIBA league, it's more important to be. Mm-hmm. If you want to be that scoring center, you're going to have to 
you know, bang with the big boys such as mm. that big Nate. Big um, Nate. So and I think, again, he was another guy that kind of uh, around the basket copped a little bit of that ref, refing off the floor a little bit. There was a couple of times he fouled out. Um, he's a guy that, you know, NBA guy, had the Euros, had the moves. He'd drop his shoulder and dudes would hit the floor and they'd be like, yep, yeah, definitely offensive foul. Then you'd see it and he's going sideways, or like trying to get around that because his moves were so good almost that he was getting punished for it. And he'll, he'll learn that if he does stay next season, he'll definitely learn like you need to go around these guys 100% because there's a few teams in that will just run in and fall over and most of the time they'll get the call. And it, it's, it's a first season B and you go, yep, I think you, we definitely have him back. But I don't know, looking at his game, whether you can go, you know what, we're just going to run our entire offense around this guy. No. It's not that level. Like, you know, for a team with our caliber, I mean, if we were a, a team like a Cairns, blowing it up from the bottom of the league, bringing him in, changing it around. Okay, that's another story. But a team that went from being first um, down to fourth, I think it's a different scenario. Like he's going to have to in, plug into our offense rather than be the whole offense. Yeah. Um, which moves us now to Jordan Hunter, a young man with a lot of promise and definitely thrown in with a lot of responsibility this season. What were your thoughts on his season? Definitely a breakout season. Um, very good. He's still a bit stone hands. I think he got a bit more offensively elite towards the end of the season. I mm. think some of these little baby hooks and sky hooks. For a guy that shoots the th- the th- the free throw throw so well, he should have a more of a an outside game. Seventy three percent. Yeah, he's not a Gumby at the free throw line. Um which means that he should have some sort of mid-range shot or three-point shot that he's just not putting up for some reason. I think that maybe there should have been a little bit more freedom this season for to see if he could stretch the floor a little bit more. Um, I think in certain lineups with a better power forward, a defensive power forward on the floor, he, he's good. But just with him and, and, and Martin or him and Kicken on the floor, it's just it was, it was bad. It was bad defensively in teams with, you know, silly fouls and then, you know, not rotating over or coming on weak side help because Jarrell got blown by and, you know, getting the foul. And it was just a lot of silly defensive mistakes in, in those lineup. But then you see, you know, him on the floor with maybe a Moller at power forward or a Tommy V at power forward. It, it, it worked a little bit better. Mm. It worked somewhat better. Um, I think the season as a whole, you have to give him a B um, just because it is, it was such a, a breakout season. I mean, A would be pretty hard because he doesn't win games for you. He's kind of just a solid center um not elite uh, yet but you know if he if he keeps having a trajectory like he did this season maybe there is you know great things in the future mm. so you went with a b right i did yes i went also went with a b i think he could very well be a c minus i i like you say breakout i say you know a little bit of shell came off the egg and the mother still had to come and peck the entire rest of the egg away i'm not as high on him as you know and it's easy for someone to sit here and just pick holes in his game i think there was there was far too many just like geordie you're looking at over there and someone behind you goes in and just lays it in and you're left looking around like oh i don't even know what i was doing i just thought i was on mars for a second there sorry about that boys i was i was deep in thought Kyrie had texted me earlier and it got me deep in thought you know and to be having those right Coming out of college, four years of college, a season where he played four minutes a game last season, that's probably enough to then be thrown straight in the deep end. 
I think that was a, you know, this guy's not quite ready yet, really, you know. And for a franchise like us, I don't think going from first to fourth again, we could afford to have that. I think that was one of the big issues this season is he did not gel with any of the, any of the other guys, the lineups. Like mm. there wasn't a single lineup where you were like, you know, Jordy Hunter and these guys are definitely going to, you know, lock it down defensively. It was kind of a bit of a licorice all sorts scenario. Reft off the floor too. Like I, th- I think he gets points like taken back, whoop, like taken back for the fact that anytime he went near anyone, they would just fall on the floor and get a foul every time. And, some of those were like, okay, yeah, like him gumbying around a little bit. Some of those were just like, no, 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 he clearly blew by that guy and that's not a foul. Like, And he was a, he's the only guy I've seen foul out on it like while he's dunked the ball. You know, and yeah. I'm just like, wow, like are you kidding me? That, that really sets a standard of how a guy's been reft off the floor. But at the same time, I think you're right in saying a breakout season, like being, being um, PC and being, you know, Amicable about the whole situation, I think you can say definitely a, a, a commendable season. But there's there were so many holes in his game. There's so many holes in his game, and a jumper, man. Like as soon as you said that, I was just like, yeah, that's, that's such a good point. Like an elbow jumper, anything to kind of space the floor. Anytime he was out on the floor, he would just be kind of stuck in the paint, uh, you know. And there was he had t- trouble doubling sometimes, and you kind of knew. And, okay, he was dangerous on the roll, but then, you know, we've got to shoot first point guard and then Shawnee Bruce, who kind of never got the ball back to play make properly when he was playing a shooting guard. Like, so there was that, that kind of thing too. So, like, I definitely think that there's room for improvement, but I'm still looking at that. It's just Pinot 2.0, like, to me. <laughs> I was like, well, what's the point of that guy? Like, rolls hard, you know, staunch on defense, but, you know, gets called for a lot of fouls. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm not looking at him going, let's build our team around this. No. And I've kind of wanted to say that all season, but at the same time, like I still am like, yeah, like a solid season, man. Like really, really a decent season, really, in his his kind of level. I'm not looking at him going like that, that's terrible. Like get this guy out of the club right now. Like there has been a couple of players over the last couple of seasons like that. And I definitely don't think he's at that level. But he's oh man, if he's I, I would really still like to see him go back to that third spot that he was last year, where it's like third guy in, four minutes a game. That's the level you're at. That's what you get. Um, because I think from there, he could evolve into like a, a spark plug guy. Like he comes out, hustles a bit. You know, you take him away from getting like blown up by the refs. You kind of get him rolling. Like Shawnee Bruce comes out and you get him rolling a little bit, like rolling to the hoop. Because there's a couple of times sort of towards the back end of the season where we're getting these like slants where, you know, guy dribble out to the nail, come all the way back he'd slant and cut and he'd get a wide open like one dribble and he could finish them off a one foot dunk and stuff like that where, you know, but his thought processes don't put him through those scenarios. Like his thought processes are very just, I'm doing this, I'm standing here. Okay, what's happening? Oh, the ball's there. Like none of this like off ball, I can see a move happening. I can, you know, see it coming, cut, move, finish, like, you know, get into these scenarios where, oh, look, all I have to do is offer one foot dunk. Like, you know, those are the parts of his game next season that I want to be seeing if he does end up staying. Um, and I think I think he can get there. I definitely think he can get there, which is why I'm giving him a B. Um, Shawnee B. Bruce, big balls Bruce, kind of was just, you know, yeah, average. A- average average, uh, average balls average. Bruce this season. B minus C. I don't know. C? C. C. It's kind of an average season. Not as good as the previous season. Okay at times. I also want to see. pretty good. 
gives away some silly fouls. Yeah, loves it, loves it, loves the stupid foul. The the like I'm a, I'm a real hustler type foul, yeah. and it's like no no you just fouled him man you're not a real hustler you this is stupid foul, um you know like let, let's not do this <laughs> like some guys get away with those hustle fouls like a Norton a McCarran type player, but Shawnee Bruce is just running and just go whack and he's just like Shawnee come on mate what are you doing? Yeah that that's that's really all I have to say about yeah because I, I had I, I had issues with it. it's just like you're now the shooting guard. It's like, no, like he is not a shooting guard at all. And I think in a different system with a different point guard, yes, okay, he might be a shooting guard. But defensively struggled, love, loves to body guys, which is a real red flag when you're playing in this kind of team. Loves to shoot the ball when he's set, but would never get the ball back. So what was the point of him playing shooting guard? I just, that's the part of it where I'm like, okay, not a... You know, not not your fault, all right? Okay, I get it. It's not your fault. Um, but his role totally changed, and I did not like that. The start of the season, there was just like, this isn't, this doesn't work. Like, no. real, real worrying where you're like, oh. And then you just were like, well, we've got no one else, so he has to start. So, oh, man. Next man up. Yeah, next man up type stuff. Anything else on Shawnee? I feel like that kind of encapsulates his season too, where it's like, oh, like you, you were a guy that we really talked about last year. It's like, you know, that's the guy I wanted in my foxhole. And then this season, it's just like, oh man, like the more, the extra responsibility, you kind of weren't ready for prime time. Like, ooh, that's a bit disappointing. Um, and then finally, Captain Extraordinaire, Casper Ware. I'm going to give an F. F? Whoa. Whoa. I mean, Clickbait? Stephen no, A? We'll, we'll go D. We'll go D. D. You got a spot on jump in the morning? Get up? Yeah. You get on there with uh, Skip Bayless. <laughs> you got um, on there with Kendrick Perkins? <laughs> it's not right. It's not right. Um, look, MVP because we had no one else. Yeah. yeah. MPP, most played player. You know what I mean? Like it was just, it was, it's just kind of like, yeah, if you give this guy the ball and he has 50% of the shots and most of them don't go down and, you know, he just still one was game. taking bad ones, man. Oh. A lot of bad shots. He didn't win a game. There's no game that he's just like, and there's two minutes to go and Casper has taken this game away from the team. In fact, there was five games where he had the final shot and didn't hit one. And that mm. just, you can't I think there might have been one, one, maybe two. Where you're kind of like, Casper pulled it out. Because I do remember during the season being like, yes, he's got one back. Like, you know, everyone's going to be happy tonight. Hooray. And then the next week being like, and there goes all his credit from that one game he built up. What a shame. Like, Maybe maybe it was down the stretch he scored. But it was, you know, it was no kind of like minute left, you know, Casper. But Casper for the win. Um, Just a disappointing season. Mm. Had a better season the previous year. I think, you know, obviously in a better team. Shot the three ball better this year, which is scary. I think last year was twenty eight and a half. This year it was thirty point three. Bad That's shots, super Just scary. I bad, bad shots. Looked really dangerous when he was getting the hole. Admittedly, he gets no calls. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a big part of it. And again, that's it's not really a failure of him, or is it a failure of him to to be that player that just gets no calls, even though he gets completely just demolished getting to the rim, you know, why does a Scott Machado or, 
you know, Bryce Cotton, why do these guys get all the calls going to the rim? So maybe he's just not that player. Maybe he's not developed that relationship with the refs. That's the guy you want on your team. You want the guy that's getting to the hoop and getting all the calls. And Casper's and not that, you know, and I think it was kind of a, a match made in, you know, protest. I think he didn't want to play for Sydney this year and just realized that he's not going to get a contract anywhere else and kind of, okay, I'm going to play for Sydney again. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there was mm-hmm. no other call-ups and Sydney really had no one else and COVID and it was just kind of, you know, it was a match made in, you know, protest. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, D, D for my mind. D for you. I went with a C. I think to go, to take it all the way back to last year, when he came in, I remember us doing that and I went back and listened to it. We were both just like, what, why? Why do we have to like support this guy? We just viciously trashed for a whole season because we hated the guy. Like, and he comes in and you go, eh, it's okay, yeah, cool. And then he at least developed some sort of rapport where you're like, okay, I, I appreciate this guy for how he plays, how hard he plays. He can make some shots. It's pretty good. Um, solidly one of the better guards defensively during the season, especially down low um, on bigger guys. And a genuinely genuinely likable dude. But that's kind of where it ends. And you're just a bit like, I I, I don't like, I don't hate the guy. I don't dislike the guy. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily want to kick him out the door, but it's like I've gotten to a stage where I'm like, I don't really want to watch this guy play anymore. Like um, I'd be happy if he didn't, re-sign for the team but at the same time i hadn't i'd have no hard feelings like i don't want i don't want to just viciously trash him but i don't really want to watch it again next season to be honest and but if it but i guess look i'll put this question to you if it meant you guys are going to finish like pretty much around the last positions if we get rid of him, I don't know. I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll take him back. If we get a shot at just making the finals no, again, just, there's, there's teams to build around. I'd like to say it's a conscious uncoupling. Mm. So that's how, that's how we end the relationship. A conscious uncoupling. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. It's just amicable. You know, you take half the house, I take the rest and I go and that's all good. Mm. Why not? Um, but yeah, rough, rough, man. I think too many times mom- the moments, like the the general rhythm wasn't too bad. I thought general rhythm he was quite good. There were some good stretches, but the moments part, man, was the biggest part to that just hurt. Was like the how many moments did he just have that were he's come up short again? Ugh, that's hard. Like you know, you're I'm in my foxhole with you, and I don't really want to be here. Like damn it, you know. And I kind of that that felt like it was permeating through our play too. Like, I got nothing to back that up, and it's not anything tangible, but I, I still, like, when I was watching it, I was still a bit just like, man, like, you know this is going to be a miracle if we pull this out, even though we're down one, you know, with 10 seconds to go. So, ah, oh, rough, man. It's a hard, hard way to end the season. Um, but, yeah, Casper with a D and then a C for me. Um, and that ends the, the, the player review. So now we're going to move on to 40. Forticus. And I, uh, for this one, I think we're going to come to a consensus on 40. I'm dressed like 40. You're not. Um, I, I wanted to put both of our gradings, but I thought like we would come to a consensus because rough, rough year for him. Came in quickly, um, had to kind of make, make something of this team, like really kind of knit it together. And, and, you know, if you're looking at over a number of seasons, you kind of go, okay, a new guy building something. He had a couple of seasons to, to, kind of work it out but for him to have these injury troubles roster issues 
in his first season, it's like, damn, man, like that's, what did you like break a mirror or something? Like, wow. I think also, you know, just three quarters of the way through the season, just like, yeah, you, you, you won't be returning next year, 40. Yeah. Um, and you've still got to try and get us to the postseason, which is still a possibility. Well, yeah, man. It's like, what do you do like, as a coach uh, and, and, and a guy that's just been thrown into the deep end with a terrible, not roster, just a terrible, you know, circumstance of events. Um, look, I think he's pretty brave what he did growing up and, and just completely just not trash talking, but just uh, schooling everyone on, I think, and opening up a lot of eyes. I think certain rotations were a bit of eye opening, but they got better towards the end of the season. Mm. The beginning of the season, his rotations were terrible. DJ being benched for like eight minutes in the fourth quarter because he was a rookie was ridiculous, even though he'd scored 28 points. I think a lot of guys get hot and then he yanked them. And that was a very Gazian thing to do. Mm. Um, it was kind of like your time's up, get out, instead of like just ride, you know, ride this guy. Um, too much Casper, uh, way too much Casper, way too much going to Casper down the stretch, not getting other guys involved. Um, but I think it evolved and he evolved as a coach throughout the season and, and he definitely got better. Um, probably, you know, you, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors with, you know, Newley and things like that, but maybe didn't get the most out of his veterans. Um, I, I don't know if he had anything to do with the weeks he's signing, but maybe, you know, just kind of a, a match made in, 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 in necessity. Um, mm. I think overall, would I want him back? Yes. I would be happy if he came back as coach next season. Um, and I think that's an important thing when you grade someone is, is would you have them back? I'm thinking, yeah, he's, he's definitely earned his stripes. He, he deserves to get uh, a full off season and the ability to put a roster together, um, playing into some of, you know, Hunter and, and DJ, if, he, if they're, they're going to be the kind of core guys coming back, you know, what are you going to build around? Are you going to have Jarrell return? <clears throat> um, I got to give him a B for a first season coach. What he mm. had, you know, still coming top six, just missing out on the finals due to some, you know, poor decisions probably earlier on in the season. Um, uh, with you know a relatively new team, finding you know gems in in the rough and um, putting an okay season together. You know, I, I don't think you can get much better than that. Yeah, I think it's it's super hard to really get a proper like nail down a proper grading of what that is, like what he's given us this season, because I think it's hard to come into a team, have a jumble of players, you know, and then put something together, have the adversity, go down a season, go down through a season, and then, you know, amicable, like um, admirably get up there and trash the refs to be like, are you guys kidding? Like, seriously, this is getting ridiculous now. And have that even like, oh, that actually like was a benefit. Like that net benefited the team in the league. That's good. To then like be like, and you're leaving. And you're kind of going like, what a just weird roller coaster um, of a season for a coach to have, right? The the upheaval, the chaos. Also like him just being like, oh, no, it is what it is. Like, whatever, it's all good. Like, you know, it is what it is. Like, you know, uh, even that was bizarre at the time. I remember just sitting there thinking like, that even is weird. Like, what, what do you mean it is what it is? Like, yeah. you know, is this where you pushed out? Is this, you know, you don't really want to be here and this is the nicest way for you to get out? Um, I wasn't 100% sure on that. I'm sure it'll come out um, eventually. Mm. But 
also I want to counter the good parts with do you like there's some execution stuff where it was a bit like like I don't know about this. Um, there was some scheme stuff, like you said, with the the lineups where it was like like no, like <laughs> what what are you doing type of stuff, and also like it's hard to differentiate the players and the level that these guys can play at individually in the scheme that he was trying to build. I never felt like he'd nailed that down. Like it wasn't nailed down and you're just like, oh, we don't have players that fit this scheme because the scheme doesn't have the players. Like you're kind of like he was building on the fly here and there, like tweaking it, doing this and that. But to get to not get some buy-in from a guy like Newley, like I don't know, maybe that was on him or not. Like I think that's an interesting point to make. And then to struggle, I think, with the 2-3 the zone and the you know one two two type stuff and not be able to nail it down was, I don't know, I kind of was a bit like, yeah, all right, and, you know, I would have to sit back and go, let's just sit out three seasons for you to build something. Like I, I felt like we're going to have to sit here and watch him actually build something over the next couple of seasons rather than, you know, be like, yeah, all right, let's do it. Like, sweet. Like I still feel like going into a next season if we had him it'd be the same type of thing like i don't know if he's he'd have the players to bed down a system i still didn't really see what his system was mm. like it was kind of a little <laughs> bit gazy and like you said it wasn't like weaver where you instantly knew oh right you know a power forward who like can bring the ball up and then there's a lot of downhill down you know downhill stuff and then you play make off the downhill stuff okay that's mm. a scheme that actually works then you got Boga and a guy like that this season it was like I don't know, I didn't see enough really. I would have been like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually all right with him leaving. I think the, the, more, the more pertinent issue really is like we're now I think going to have to be like, well, there might be a couple of seasons now before we can kind of get something back up and running, get something back on track because I don't like where we're kind of currently sitting. And that whole him just leaving halfway through the season might have been a gamble. I was like, why did that even happen? So you reckon B? I, I think in the big scheme of things with the team that he had, he was still, you know, he didn't have a, a breakers or a can season, which very much could have been there. I think a B, B is respectable. I can't twist your arm down to a C plus? No. No? No. A B minus? I could go a B minus, but yeah. yeah. I like a B. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I still feel like there was some sort of both sides action going on like that. Yeah, the roster stuff sucked, but at the same time, there was more heart, play hard and there's heart than us. My scheme is good and that's why these guys are playing well and then you add the heart in. I don't know. Yeah, That's all. I, I, I kind of get you, but again, it's kind of the IQ on the floor, the lack of import talent for a lot of the season. Casper where you know, just brick, th- throwing up bricks willy-nilly. I think that's probably <laughs> the, the one that you want to go to at the beginning of the season that changed. And I think that was the Hawks game where they just went to Bruce mm. and just let's go to Bruce. Let's try something different. Let's get other guys involved. Let Muller take the, you know. It was a Melbourne game, wasn't it? The double, the overtime game? Pardon? It was the overtime game? Yeah. You know, first 12 games, Muller wouldn't have taken a shot in any of overtime. Just when we yeah, had yeah, yeah. dialing it up. Um, and so that's, I think that was an important part of the evolution of the season. It was that, Muller's going to take this shot or Newley's going to take this shot or someone else is going to take the shot. We, we understand that it's not working with Casper. 
and we've got to move on from that. And there was evolution in his game. It wasn't just Andrew Gaze where that season was the most dis- distressing season of basketball I've watched. And I watched the Philly rebuild because it was like there's talent on the floor and there's Andrew Gaze getting in the way of that talent. <laughs> you age like six basketball years just watching that it's, season. It was just, it was frustrating. I mean, we did have one of the worst imports I've seen in the league ever. He <laughs> um, was so bad, but I mean, Again, that was the Gazian system. It was weird. It was Andrew Bogut being angry with. It was, it was a horrible season of basketball to watch. I would have, you know, watched watched the the Cairns type ends play with a bit of heart and Cam Oliver chuck up fifty threes a game, then watch that gay season again. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, not that bad. B for me. A B, yeah. Uh, I'm wrangling you down to a B minus. Yeah. It's like kind of halfway. Um, so I'm going to chuck that in B minus. It's sad, man. I think I would have liked to have been happy to sit here and go, yeah, okay. A couple of seasons. Fair enough. I think the adversity fought through was good, but at the same time, I didn't really see enough to go, you know what? It's worth keeping. It's worth breaking the bank for worth working hard for this system is important. And I don't know, like with the roster upheaval, that's going to happen, I think, yeah, uh, ooh, like, you know, I don't think anyone's going to, like any coach is going to come in and struggle, man. I feel like, I really do feel like that. Um, let's go now to the the three two one MVP. It was a roller coaster ride of the season. Um, I think next season I'll, I'll plan out the fan MVP because that was going gangbusters until I ran out of steam and had to go back to work and then didn't have time to do it after games. It was a bit of a struggle. Um, but... It was a roller coaster ride, man. And I think you, you mentioned before Moller, he actually came fourth, um, tied with Jordan Hunter. And then DJ ended up having 58 points coming third. And it says a lot in his season that he had um, come sort of like up quite high, even though he got injured and missed most of the season or half the season. But ultimately, it came down to a battle between Casper Ware and Jarrell Martin. And uh, does that feel like the, the two best guys in our team? Yeah, I think that, I mean, admittedly, Jarrell Martin came in late, didn't play a lot of games. Casper played all the games. Um, and it definitely felt like it was just Casper. He's got to play well sometimes. He's got to play some games well, you know what I mean? Like, it was the most played player. Sometimes he's just, on a bad night, he's going to put up 20 points off 6 of 28 shooting. And no one else is going to have a better night than him, kind of thing. Um, so it definitely felt like it came down to those two. It made sense. Um but I think that, you know, from there was one clear winner. And, you know, I think that he, yeah, I'll, I'll let you kind of. You yeah, know, well, me, yeah, no, feel free, announce it. Yeah, I haven't got it up on the screen. I'll, I'll throw to it when you announce it. So um, definitely the guy that I think came in, had more impact on a game-by-game basis, uh, you know, and, and, you know, one at being injured a lot of the time, coming in late into the season, that's Jarrell Martin. Um, Jarrell. Well, the M- MVP. MVP, yeah. Remember that time you predicted Bogut to be MVP and then he was MVP? Bullocks to Dharma's man. Yeah, that was hectic. But yeah, yeah. I think, nah, definitely deserved. Um, could he have won the clubs one? I don't think he played enough games. Nah, yeah, that's fair enough. Too much. And I think that's, and, and, and that's the problem, right? It was really just the most played player. It wasn't really the MVP because I think that, it was just Casper played a lot. 
and yeah. everyone else was injured most of the time and and that was the only you know it was kind of out of between him or Bruce or Hunter. Mm. What do you so think? it was um Martin finished 100 points, we're 95. Uh DJ had 58. Moller and Hunter both had 39 and then we're getting down to Diddy and Bruce. Diddy had 22, Bruce 19, Newley 15, Kicks 10, Tommy V 9. Weeksy burgled a couple of points as well with his little run at the end. I think I think he could have won the the MVP. I I don't know if that's kind of almost political mm. in that Caspi, you're the captain and Caspi the face of the team like you you know you're the man have an MVP like yeah. I don't know like if we were kind of trying to slice Casper out of the picture you would use that to just go no 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 Jarrell Martin definitely the MVP give him the MVP um but yeah, I, I'm just thinking about that now and going, ooh, that's a bit interesting that, you know, we'll just Casper, crown him. Yeah. Like, um, I thought Jarrell had a much better season and a real huge, huge impact, like offensively, yeah. in the fact that it got you off your seat too. Like, you just went, whoa, like, wow, step back, crazy shots around the rim. Every time we were shooting threes, you were just like, it's going down. He's set. That's going down. Sweet. He became our most reliable. I feel like, I feel it. It's going down, guy. After DJ went down, especially so, yeah, good on Jarrell, man. Congratulations to him winning the uh, on the King's Dime MVP. He doesn't get anything, you know, no crystal decanter or anything like that for him. Um, he just gets a shout out on a podcast uh, from two fans of the Sydney Kings. Now, last but not least, tipping. What a roller coaster tipping tipping comp it was this season. Um, just bringing it up over here, over here, over here. Um, it was separated by a few points, man, going into the last few games. Um, there was a crazy, crazy, what was it? There was a couple of eight game weeks and nine game weeks in the middle of the season. That was just like guys had chances or guys and girls had chances to come all the way back. And it was just like, I'm out of it. Oh man, I'm out. This sucks. And then it was like, whoa, seven point round. I'm back. Like, this is great. Um, but ultimately it came down to just a couple of points. And it was Jenny Fox winning the tipping hey, comp. Jenny. Yeah, in the Fox household, she reigns supreme. Um, so she had 101 points on the season. You finished with a, a perfect round the last week. Burgled yourself off the bottom away from the wooden spoon. Um, but, yeah, Brendan and myself finished on 99. Paul Fox, last year's reigning champ, only three points behind. So... Man, it was super tight. I was surprised how tight it was because it was a roller coaster ride. There was just some game weeks where you couldn't tip guys. Like you would just go, I don't know, man. Like I really want the Kings to win, or I really need we really need the Hawks to win. Um, and then there were some games where some weeks where you were just like, how the hell did these favorites lose? Like what the hell is going on here? Um, so I reckon this bubble really kind of messed a lot of teams around this season. Yeah, um, so and I, it kind of messed the tipping around. So. Indeed. Congratulations um, to Jenny. She she wins the uh, annual Kevin Lish, Lish stud shirt. And <laughs> what what did she get? A Jarrell Martin card. Yeah, have sign, you got that sign. there? No? no. I don't have it with me. I can no. go get it if you want. It's in the it's vault. A, it's in the vault. It's in the, it's in the card vault, ready to be uh, ready to be shipped and sent. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll also. get that out to you, Jenny. Hope you're watching at home. Congratulations. Um, and that is about it. An action packed long show. Um, do we need to talk just quickly, briefly, um, next season-y stuff? 
I think it's, you know what, it's so early that we could come up with a lot of hocus pocus crystal bullshit, but there's there's content, man, to be had, I think, over the next couple of weeks. There's content, um, but it'd be good to see when some things would be, you know, announced and released. And I think there really is some kind of like what do we do from here content. Because um, we could almost rebuild an entire roster, really. We could rebuild like, an entire roster. But the problem is, one, COVID, two, import spots next year. Is this going to go back to normal because fans mm-hmm. are in stadiums and, you know, technically we should all be vaccinated by the end of the year and it's all going to go back to normal? Theoretically, so should we go back to three import spots? What's the next dark program going to look like now mm. that the G League is paying for high school basketball? So that's not the pathway to draft; it's more like the draft and stash. So we're going to get guys from thirty to sixty come down under, as opposed to kind of guys going to the draft. How is that going to work? Obviously, with the G League going back to normal, so the NBA season is going to go back to the October June um, starting this year, and so the G League will obviously follow that. So there's a few things that I think that are unknowns in terms of the economics of basketball, what it's going to be like here. What does mm. this new team add to this? You know, is this new team going to come and poach a whole bunch of great talent? Is is the talent going to be diluted mm. now mm. because of this ninth team? You know, uh, are we going to be playing development players in a, in a normal roster? Because, I mean, I don't know if anyone missed out on a, on a spot this year locally like uh, is there that much good local talent that could potentially pay play nbl basketball mm. you know it's, I, i'm not sure so that's that's going to be an interesting one to see over the next two months who who the lumberjacks or what are they called the jack jaws jack jumpers that's jack a, jumpers. such a bad name man what are you doing uh, and it won a that? naming competition too it should have called it basketball Sh- mcbasketball face <laughs> Yeah, Bodie McBoatface. Bodie McBoatface, yeah. Um, just, terrible, terrible. yeah, and you raise an excellent point because I've earned, I haven't, I've been thinking just, you know, fantasy style. You could easily, with what we have to rebuild, just find all the best shooters, find all the best defensive players, you know, bring in a couple of centers and, you know, we're good to go, like fantasy styles. Um, and over the next couple of weeks, we'll definitely, like, sit down and do, I think, some content regarding like what what can happen with the roster but you just raised a really good point with that team coming in we're now in a market of fighting for these players you know like landale's coming off contract and i was like oh if you can pick up landale like you know bang like if we could sneak him in you know they don't lose they don't win the title this season he's upset i, I think a lot of these players go and search europe now i think that mm-hmm. the covid you know they, they'll be vaccinated the covid fiasco is is semi over you know basketball's returning to normal stadiums are returning to some capacity all around the world i mean nba is not going to be that vice but do they go back to europe and look for the more money the the, the more money is, is the local league going to be that that competitive when it comes back you know landale only came here because the european league stopped so is landale going to go are we going to lose dj to europe you know mm. those are the kind of questions is how diluted is the local league going to become you know, is there going to be any big name NBA, ex-NBA players come down under that we, we don't know about, obviously, mm. you know, with the constant turnover of talent in that league. So there's there's a lot to kind of worry about in the offseason. I think the diluting of local talent is one. Mm. I mean, you, you can kind of look at all all the teams and you kind of think, yeah, well, there's enough local talent in these eight teams to, to form a league, but you add a ninth team in there, you know, who's coming through? What have we got coming through, you know? With two imports, that's a very hard roster space to fill. Mm. I think it's going to go back to three, though, right? 
Well, I hope so. I, I think, yeah. I think I don't think it's set in stone yet, but I think it's going to go back to three imports. And I, I also look at that three imports and go, that makes it even more hard, man. Like you could easily just blow a lot of dough on a couple of imports and they're terrible and you're just like, damn it. Like that's just another season where you, you blew it again. Uh, kind of like, you know, Melbourne, Who who's their import? Hobson, I think he's counted as an import. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, but like you, you can't even look at these other teams and just go, "Oh man!" Like you know, there's imports to snake from other teams. Like let's snake a couple of imports from. Like I don't know if the the import level really has been that good. Mooney's coming off contract, and he said he wants to go back to Perth, and he's someone where you just like snap that guy's hand off, pay him yeah. the most on your team, and pay the guy and be like, "Come and play for your team." Like whether it's us or the Jack Jumpers now, that they're in the mix. I think there's some real like there's some real chances to burgle some talent here and put together another really good roster. But at the same time, there's also the the margins are very fine for us to just go and we blew it again on like 16 players that we could have got last season that we didn't, or in the, in the off season rather that we didn't like. How many of those players land our Magne? Although I think we dodged a bull on a Magne watching him like he I don't know where the hell his talent has gone, but he's struggling for Perth. <laughs> yeah, the frolling effect. Uh, you know, like Landau, Magne, uh, Mathiang was flirting with coming down here. Um, who else did we whiff on? Jack White. Jack so White, many yeah. people we could have signed. Humphreys came back. Like, I'm still looking at it going like, oh, like we've whiffed on so many dudes, man, that are like leading guys in the league. I don't know. It's like, oof. Do we see Do we see a Thon maker as a, as a marquee down under? Oh, uh, yeah, you definitely. Know, Snap his you know, hand off, bang, done. Snap his hand off, get him here playing. You know, he's he's a talent. You know, he's he's definitely a, a, a head above local league. Um, but anyway, it, it's going to be a fun speculative mm, off season. Um, and we'll definitely do heaps of content over the next few weeks. Well, again, um, it's it's only going to be a four months off season. I think we start up again late October, so it's a, it's a shorter off season this year as well. Going obviously to the extended off season they had last year, so um, there's definitely going to be a shorter turnaround of. Of, of basketball, which means you'll see us a bit more regularly in between. Yes, and I think that about wraps it up for tonight. So thank you to everyone who came along and watched and commented. Uh, Paul Fox, he, uh, you know, was talking about that third rookie. It was Giddy. Thanks for shouting oh, yeah, that out. Yeah. Um, but for a guy who was just like, I'm out, I'm going to the NBA, it's just like, you don't deserve rookie of the year. Go away. Go and go and play in the NBA. Um, although he did have a pretty sweet season and it looks like he might come um, be drafted in the lottery. That's pretty sweet as well. Um, but yeah, as always, we have been live tonight on Facebook. Uh, we'll put these up. Uh, we'll put this one up on YouTube. I don't think we need to put the audio up. That might be a bit, bit of a stretch, people listening to that two-hour podcast. Um, there was a lot of visual stuff and interactive stuff. So, uh, But you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts and Spotify and also, yeah, YouTube. So the next couple of weeks, we'll probably be putting content up on YouTube. I'm thinking we might put these up on Facebook as well. That way we can share them around, get a bit more interaction, try to build a little bit more suspense uh, for the rest of the season. And yeah, thanks everyone for watching us this season. It's been a great ride. We really appreciate all the eyes and ears and all the comments and stuff like that. Um, we're definitely going to be doing it next season. We're going to keep going. Um, the content show is going to roll on. And, yeah, anything else you wanted to say before this kind of season ends? No. Thank you for another season. We'll see you guys. Do it. See the next line. Time. Next time. 
on the King's Dime.